forever. Dog. Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And welcome to our podcast, <laughs> Scary, scary Stories, Stories to, to Tell on the pod. pod. It is a podcast about scary things told by people who like being scared and who are laughing and kind of shooting the shirt. <laughs> Shoot the shirt. Shirt the shirt. It feels <laughs> rude to sort of swear right at the beginning of your podcast. I know. Just in case you're putting the babies to bed. All of the babies. Every last baby you have in an adorable case for baby sleep. Yeah, it's a guitar case <laughs> and you squeeze the baby into it because babies don't have bones yet. And that's kind of what you can expect. I just saw a one-star review for our podcast that said trash yes. and it was bad if you're looking for, if you're a fan of horror. Yeah, that's which correct. is correct. Yeah. So if you're looking for an excellent podcast, this isn't qu- quite it, but if you're all about um, sort of texture yes. and energy and like, I guess if you're quite a lonely person mm-hmm. and you like feeling like people are having a conversation to you. Yes. And that's if, this. If you, if you're someone, if you're queer or queer adjacent and you just like the idea of a ghost bride, then this is yeah. exactly where you should be. You've welcome home. <laughs> if you've ever put a pin on a messenger bag, you're here. <laughs> you found and, us and, and waited for someone to comment on it. Yes. 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 Um, Anna, it is Friday and it is the second Friday of our series. Summer, Summer of Summers, Summers or Stephen Summers. Summer. Summer. <laughs> Please continue to vote. <laughs> Elections will be open for the next seven years. <laughs> uh, and I mean, Anna, you and I in this moment, we are we are riding the high after a formative film for both of us. Extremely, extremely formative. We have just watched it individually, I'm sure, for the thousandth time, but this is the first time we've ever watched it together. Is that true? It is true. How could that be true? I, I am astounded, but it is the truth. And your memory is wild, so I believe you. Um, That movie is the 1999 Box office smash, smash hit, hit the, the mummy. Oh, I <sighs> listen. This movie, I, I we've talked about it before. I it's both of our favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I happen to base my entire personality off of liking it. <laughs> um, my sixth grade yearbook quote. Well, first of all, yearbook quotes were explained to us poorly in yes. sixth grade. Yeah. And you can tell based whoever told us it in sixth grade said, oh, your quote should be a thing you say a lot. So <laughs> oh, 80% no. of the yearbook quotes, because I graduated sixth grade in 2000, 80% of them were, what's up, or sup? <laughs> and my speak were no. <laughs> yep. And mine was, uh, <laughs> other kids said, what's up? And I was like, what's a thing I say a lot? So my quote is, have you seen The Mummy? It's the best movie ever. Anna <laughs> Dresden, that is perfect. Wow. And now I have a podcast. <laughs> That's honestly, though, yours fits better. Uh, a, a, something wrong happened with my senior quote. 
where we had to give two quotes in case one of them was I'm the school the the year previous to me a kid's quote was more more trees please and then people realized it was about pot Got so it. you had to have two quotes and one was a backup quote but they fused the quote and misattributed it to Phil Hartman because my other quote was a Phil Hartman quote from the book Live from New York. And then this one was just a funny, silly backup thing, which was, I never liked Curious George. He disobeyed everyone and got rewarded for it. And Phil Hartman never said that. And I worry in the future people would be like, this kid just lied about Phil Hartman has plenty of good quotes. Anyway. You're going to get sued for that. (laughs) No. Anyway, Anna, the mummy is, as we've talked about, uh, as far as we're concerned, cinematic perfection. Uh, yeah, it's the it's my favorite movie by far. And and we had a long conversation before this because we were like, I don't even know how we're going to fully capture our personal feelings about it and the experience of watching it. We're going to do our best here. I'm going to just say this. I'm not against revisiting this at some point later. I'm not either. And like, it's so funny. I had throughout the day today, I had so many mixed emotions about watching it because it it just feels like watching a video of myself. Like it feels so intensely personal. I would make sure to not watch it with the guy I was dating until I was pretty sure we were going to be together forever. (laughs) So I've only watched it with 25 people. (laughs) I'm usually wrong, but I I waited. Jason didn't watch it until like many months into the pandemic. I would just like, it's so personal to me and like watching, it just feels like reading from the Bible. Like it means so much. I can't just like casually watch it. I have to be like holding my face so happy (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't anticipate that we'll get everything out. Exactly. Um, and you know, life is very long. That's good. We shouldn't be able to finish it all in one night. Right. And we can see this from different angles. I think, I think a delightful thing about, um, watching it just now with our, each of our significant others, Jason has seen it before Anne and I have seen it a thousand times. This was the first time Chris has ever seen this movie. That's true. Um, I could tell he was delighted and like an interesting thing that I think is going to shade this conversation is um, a few nights ago, we all went to go see Indiana Jones in theaters. Yes. Which was such a joy. Th- this is definitely a, a spiritual successor, I think to the Indiana oh, yeah. Jones universe. It was very interesting as a child who only ever saw the mummy and then never really saw Raiders yeah. that much uh, to see how much it was inspired by yeah. <laughs> Raiders. Like anything that worked in Raiders was like, Oh, that's, I have a whole note section of like the shootout on the boat, a fight, yeah. like a firefight that causes a big fire that burns something down, right. colonial treasure pillaging, wind whooshing, um, a Victrola in the desert. Mm. Also, I will say sort of a cool, and this is something Stephen Summers, the writer director who we're paying homage to homage. homage. Um, he I think this movie is him at his best. I think that that is evident in the box office success and which ones have stood the test of time. Right. Um, And I think what's great about this movie is the marriage of genre with it's almost satirical. Like the humor, what a lot of people talk about is a blend of horror and action adventure and humor and romance. Mm -hmm. So this movie has something for everyone. Yeah. I know a lot of people say that about a lot of different movies. I think this one legitimately has something for everybody. 
You're right. I hadn't even thought about the romance element, but there is so much. It is at its core. Yes. A dual romance. Yes, it really is. Yeah, you're right. It's got Imhotep, uh, the mummy with his love who he's chasing after. Um, But that also is a a byproduct of Indiana Jones and a lot of other swashbuckling. You do need smooching to balance out the sword fighting. Otherwise... You, it just needs to become personal quickly, and there's nothing yes. more personal than two people kissing. Um, and it's interesting. I know we we joked about this uh, last Friday about like we're covering the 1999 mummy, not the 2017 one, not the 1932 one. But in revisiting this and having uh, rewatched the 1932 mummy, there are a startling amount of uh, things that are used from the original in this one. Yeah. Like what? A lot of character names. Mm -hmm. So um, Oded Fair's character, Uh who's the like head of the Magi, which is like an ancient order of protectors. Mm -hmm. I believe his name is Ardeth Bay, which is the name that the mummy Mm -hmm. adopts in the 1932 version. Yes. Um, Also the central like, love story is almost exactly the same from the get go of like the whole reason that the first mummy gets mummified alive is the same that he reason that he gets mummified alive in the 1999 version. It's, it, it yeah, is it's a just very, that he was with Pharaoh's daughter instead yes. of mistress. And it's very loving. It's a very loving tribute to old universal monster movies, which I think is a key to how much Steven Summers was given for this movie. He clearly loves that old genre picture very much. Um, And that comes through with flying colors. And as you said before, like deep rising, he's still kind of figuring out the kinks. And in this one, he's figured out a way to make the movie very fun and also appeal to a broader audience, which is huge. Yes. Yeah. Originally, this was supposed to be directed by Clive Barker. Yes. Um, and a couple other like auteurs, George A. Romero right. at some point was going to do it. And these were all going to be more horror, like serious, scary, scary, scary. And I do think that they found the perfect person in Stephen Summers because he this entertainment weekly uh, oral history from 1999, which is amazing. People should go Google it. Um, He talks about how uh, the 1932 mummy that he saw when he was eight years old is the only movie that ever scared him from that era. And like, I think getting someone who would say something like that in a pitch is just like music to their ears. Um, But also somebody who like is this sort of Michael Bay action person and like is like cocky and like, modern in that way who like respects what was there from before, like right. the, the older stuff, but like has a degree of irreverence. I would say that in a later edition of his movies in uh, Van Helsing, which we will get to, which I also oh, very much love. Yes. Girl will get there. <laughs> um, I think it goes too much into the getting yes. excited about the tropes and paying homage. 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 Homage to the characters and not enough humor. Yeah, agreed. Only humor you find in it is with Kevin J. O'Connor. But we will get to that later. This movie is perfect. Um, And uh, just to wrap up the Indiana Jones example of like the action, romance, horror, humor, um, there's a reversal moment, which I didn't realize. I see something new every time I watch this movie. I didn't realize until this time. There is uh, in one of the fights between the Medjai and the Americans at the dig site at night. Um, 
Ardeth Bay knocks Rick O'Connell's gun out of his hand with a sword, <gasps> which is the spiritual <gasps> oh. sister to Harrison Ford just shooting the sword guy. Anna, that is good. It has to be intentional, yeah. and it's oh, yeah. genius. It's very smart. Yes. Oh, that's really good. Um, it's almost allyship, but not at <laughs> yes. all, which oh, yeah. we should also talk about. This yeah. movie is... As, as we were watching, Anna did point out, like, oh, did you ever want to go back in time and just change, like, three or four things about a movie you love a lot? <laughs> And yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of that. Uh, probably not. Um, probably we can't cover it all as exhaust as, as exhaustively as we should. Um, but to just jump into the meat of the film, we start with not one but two cold opens, two prologues, heavily heavily narrated. Yeah, so this is a, a Stephen Summers thing. A lot of plot. We need plot. You need backstory as an audience member. Yes. Otherwise, we're not doing this. <laughs> and it's and it's um it's Oded Fair, who I really think comes alive in this movie. Oh, Ann and I are big fans. Um he's Huge such fans. a fun presence in this in this movie. Who reps him? Who reps? Let's find something for him. Yeah. He's great. Um, uh, but yeah, such a great voiceover voice. Um and we, we like we like start back in time. We've got full CGI. We've got um, ancient Egypt. People are going about their day. We've got um, clothes made of paint on a naked body. Yes, you've got uh, you've got the only dog in the movie is a CGI dog at the very beginning. Oh wow! Very important to know. Yes. Um, it also starts with the line "Thebe City of the Living," which is also borrowed from Indiana Jones, where he says "City of the Living" about I forget where. That is that was what Chris was talking about. That's right. Yeah, City of the Living. Yeah. Um. um and it tells the backstory of Imhotep, who's played by Arnold Vosloo, wow. who my mom also thought was hot. Her her people were Ardeth Bay and Imhotep, which I was like, that's for a mature woman. I'm not there yet. I will get there. And reader, I did. Oh boy, we got and there together it's today. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, we will talk about how Twitter has recently discovered that uh, all bisexual people were influenced by this movie. Yes. It, Everyone hot. It is. It is. This is the hottest movie of 1999. And I know I know the other movies that came out here, but I'm going to say it right now. It absolutely gotta. Um, so, yeah, we're back in time. Uh, Imhotep having an affair with uh, the Pharaoh's mistress. Mistress. Anaxinamun. And she is wearing a, an outfit that I think... Basically, every millennial will never forget is just gold body paint and like a net, a full net. And it, I was seeing it as a child. I was like, this is doing a lot to people <laughs> and me, but also who can say? And a nude lip. A nude, a gold nude lip. Yeah. Wow. And they smooch. He smudges her paint. That's how her husband comes back and he knows. And it's, it's like not a great tactic to, uh, to avoid hey, everything about this. I, I, if you were the sort of Pharaoh and I'm not approving of this behavior, but if you're the sort of Pharaoh who's worried about your mistress being objectified by other people, I would say maybe full naked body paint as a deterrent. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Around a little bit around the block. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't want anyone to steal my car, so I'm gonna cover it in gold body paint and give it a perfect body. <laughs> um and that way I'll know someone's touched and driven and stolen my car. Yeah, th- this yeah, is just strange. Just dress her in a couple of sweatsuits from Instagram. Right. Like just get some tie-dye. 
She'll yeah. be fine. I'm just picturing her walking around barefoot in a tie-dyed sweatsuit like I've been doing for a year and a half. <laughs> with, with like a big Tweety Bird on the back. Yeah. It says like, I'm tired. What's your deal? Yeah. 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 I think I've used that Tweety Bird trope before, but I do think it's funny and I'm going to stand by it. I think it's good. I actually, in a, a short play that I wrote that you and I were both That's in, right. I was a stage direction. It's fine. Jason... <laughs> Jason I used to do theater. It's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, uh, the affair has happened. Um, she they kill the pharaoh. An ox to the moon then kills herself. She says, "My, my body, body is, is no, no longer, longer his, his temple, temple which, which is gay." Well, yeah, that is gay. It's a great line. It is a very good line. And um, he is a high priest. He takes her body away with all of his priests who are painted fully in gold. Which I'm kind of like, what's happening here? Why is everyone painting their full ass body? I don't know. I don't know. It makes me nervous. It makes me nervous for the actors. It makes me nervous for the actors. And I'm like, in ancient in ancient Egypt, how are they going to get that off? You can't take a bath. You can't take a bath. Petroleum jelly's not it's around. It's the desert. Yeah. Um. So anyway, he goes to uh, um, revive his bride or his love. Uh, he gets found out. He has broken the religious code back then. Mm-hmm. And so he got to be punished. He is given the worst curse of all curses called the, the hum die. Everybody listening at home, take a drink <laughs> of seltzer. seltzer. And uh, <laughs> that's what we're doing today. Yes. Um, and al- along with that, all of his priests get mummified alive too. Mummified alive. He gets his tongue cut out. He gets oh. wrapped in bandages. He gets put in a sarcophagus and then they dump on him the ultimate little bad little thing from this movie, which are scarabs, scarabs. Scarab, which uh, scarabs in real life. It's a real animal. Yes. They're dung beetles. Yes. Scarabs in this movie are flesh eating psychos. The universe in which the mummy lives is one in which there is a bug that in droves can eat a person in about nine seconds. Yes. That would be a bummer for me. I feel like no one would be having sex with each other. I feel no. like they'd all just be like, did you hear about the bugs? Where have you seen <laughs> bugs lately? It's the COVID of that. Time. You could be in Antarctica and be like, God, I know those bugs are coming for me. Like, God damn. And also I'm I was just thinking, not horny. There's a whole barrel filled with those bugs. And that begs the question, who's the bug guy? Who? fills the buckets with bugs for the purposes of eating a man who's a priest who's broken religious codes. I do feel like it's Margot Martindale. It is Margot Martindale. We're not casting yet. Yeah. It's a movie and it's already cast. She used to be very hands-on early on in her career. And now mostly she smokes cigarettes and like tells three guys named Vinny, like fill up that one. Yep. Um, But she's good. She knows. Yeah, she knows. Uh, She's yeah. If you got, if you want a good bug lady, you got to get Margo. So he goes in the ground. He is, and if he ever is resurrected, he will bring back with him the 10 plagues of Egypt and will be a plague upon this earth, which I'm going to say, I'm not here to yuck ancient Egypt's yums, but if you're going to curse someone for doing a bad thing, don't punish the whole world. Yeah. Why are you doing that? I guess it's like, let's make him so bad, but like he's already bad. Wouldn't it be worse just to throw him in a mass grave? Like, wouldn't that be worse? Yeah, that feels like more disrespectful. Or like if if in this in this world where we're talking about, you know, um, uh, an underworld of lost souls, like maybe put him into an eternal hell that's like super small and inconvenient. 
Like he's just he, like all every stapler he ever tries is going to be broken. And he's like, what is this? Right. <laughs> and he never gets it. Um, so then we fast forward. We are in peak Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. I need to work on that. It's fine. Thank you. Um, he's at peak hotness. He's in the French foreign legion for some, it's reason. 1923. We yes. are in Hamanoptera. We're we're oh. fighting. Who can say? I boy, this is and this is going to be a recurring hard thing. Th- yeah. Another thing that is borrowed from Indiana Jones. Yeah, absolutely nameless, just random large groups of non-white people who get murdered. <laughs> I know, and with no effect, zero motivation. Seemingly, they are a force of nature. Um, that's hard. That's a recurring bad thing about Hollywood. That, in many respects, continues today. Um, yeah, it's a bummer. And from here on out, let's make better stories that don't fall on tropes that are harmful. Yay. Um, that should solve that. Did we fix it? I feel like we fixed it enough that we can keep enjoying it for sure. (laughs) And that won't be a problem. Um, we also repeat, um, appearance from our favorite supporting actor, Kevin, Kevin J. J. O'Connor. O'Connor. He's back, girl. He's the Judy Greer of <laughs> Stephen Summers. He is the Judy Greer of fear. Um, <laughs> Judy fear. Judy fear. So he is playing the iconic <laughs> character of Benny. Benny Gabor. Who, Anna, thanks to your knowledge of the novelization of The Mummy, um, I didn't know he's supposed to be Hungarian. He's Hungarian, which makes sense because his last name is Gabor. Gabor. Benny Gabor. Um, so we. But are, it also is in like a weird place where he's like definitely wearing eyeliner and wearing a yeah. fez, where it's like, huh. yeah, it's definitely it's it's sort of like uh, the dog whistle is being blown. Yeah, and then they're like, well, what do you mean Gabor is a Hungarian name? And it's like, it's like we get right. it. Yeah, it. Uh, it also is weird because it's like. 1920s era colonialism where like white people were co-opting Egyptian culture in so many ways. Oh boy. Uh, It's just, yeah. And then it's like, if you make a movie about that, it's sort of still propagating those same transgressions. It's It's wild. It's also, it's like at a time when I think screenwriters were thinking like we're helping and things that were maybe seem to be helpful are the opposite of helpful. I know. Like they do, like there are characters who are Middle Eastern actors right. who have speaking parts, but it is like pretty. Yeah. We'll get into Omid Jalili who played the warden oh, uh, in yes. the, that same article in entertainment weekly. It was like, he went to Stephen Summers and he was a stand-up comedian. He still is. He's oh, great. Yeah. Um, and he said, uh, we need humor in this part. Otherwise this is not even one dimensional. Like I think (laughs) I can make this two dimensional, but, Oh, and then he was like, why does he have to be funny? And he was like, literally every I'm Iranian and I need to represent people in some good way. And at least if he's funny, then that's like me doing what I do best. And it was great. And like, you needed that. You needed, and he is very funny. He's He's excellent. He's so memorable. He gives such an amazing performance in this. He does. He will. And that's the thing. Like there are, as is, um, another recurring theme in in Steven Summers movies, like the supporting cast really does shine. So, um, we get this, we get, uh, uh, Fraser is playing Rick O'Connell, a heroic, handsome type. Steven Summers has learned his lesson from the last movie. And now he knows how to shoot, 
men with the idea that maybe there is a, a woman or gay man or queer person, someone <laughs> somewhere who's going to find this person attractive because wow, the way he shot gorgeous. It it's shot like regardless of who you're orientated towards, like you go to the movies to look at something nice right. and it shouldn't be like men are just like, and ellipses until a girl comes back. Like <laughs> take your opportunity to make something beautiful happen when men are talking. And a lot of men talk in this movie. Yes. He's got three good haircuts in this movie. And that is more than I have. He really does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he, um, he narrowly escapes death in the, in the, in the desert. They're at Hominoptera. They don't know they're on these cursed grounds. Yes. A face appears in the sand. Then we smash cut to, Oh, we know we already smash cut to the titles. Then yep. we go to three years later. Yep. Um, we meet, we go to the library. Are we going to describe the whole plot of the movie? What is I hopeful think, here? I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming that most of you have seen this. You film. should watch it. I guess we should have said you should watch it. Right. We're going to, we're going to go in big picture things. Here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Evelyn played by the really wonderful Rachel Vice in this movie. She's, she truly is like her and Karen Allen from oh. Indiana Jones. Like they are both acting at such genius levels. Soul sisters for sure. Like yeah. really doing so much in seemingly simple parts. And letting the character be goofy and funny and clumsy, but also really smart and effective in moments. Like, this, yeah. is, this is not an ornamental role. It's not, a, what's it called? A Susie Q, Mary Sue? Oh, Mary Sue, yeah. It's not like a too perfect character. Right. Like, um, Evelyn is given every bit of charm and flaws as Rick O'Connell. And I think that's quite an accomplishment yes. in a movie like this. She has more backstory than he does. Yes. We have no idea. I'm sure that they shot it and Stephen Summers was like choked into cutting yeah. like the backstory. <laughs> like how did this random man become in the French Foreign Legion? Why was right. he in prison? That never is explained. No. But with her, you find out that she wants to be a part of Bembridge Scholars, which is a scholar's team. And <laughs> Classically, scholar's you team. You want to do that scholar in their guy's <laughs> house. And she is rejected because she does not have enough experience in the field. So right. we meet her in a library. We have this iconic scene of her knocking over all these bookcases. Uh, she gets yelled at by her boss, played by Eric Avari, who... Also great. Is a king of the genre, a king of film. He yes. works. He loves to work and he's wonderful. You probably have seen him in the film, Mr. Deeds. He kind of was he's, in everything for about like eight years. He's in everything. And he also was in Encino Man with. <gasps> That's right. Brandon Fraser. Wow. Um, so they do have screen time together too. Which they is do. Nice. And I yeah. bet they were like, hi. Hi. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so. Then we meet Evelyn's drunk brother, Jonathan, played by John Hanna, who is also wonderful. I also, yeah, John Hanna is really excellent. Um, uh, you might know him from Two Weddings and a Funeral. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Four Weddings and a Funeral. The, I thought the abridged. The, the prequel, yeah. Um, yeah, it was quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we really skipped the to the chop. That's the version they made for eighth graders to put on. <laughs> it was shorter. Um, yeah, he also was in a movie, Sliding Doors. If you're a fan of rom-coms and you think he's seen every rom-com you maybe haven't seen sliding doors and it's john hannah and inexplicably gwyneth Paltrow. i love that which is amazing and he's so hot in it he also was in this show 
some doctor show where he was like a bad boy sexual Scottish doctor, which is like, I absolutely had the newspaper ad on my wall. I believe he big also, fan in some BBC thing. I think he played Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That sounds right. I remember seeing pictures. Um, yeah. The, the, what's wild about this movie is, and this is rare for action movies. This movie really cornered the mom market, which is yes. big. It, is called the mummy. Yes. Well, and you and it had, came out on mother's day. I'm sorry. It did. Yes. That's you. What? It came out on a Sunday. Oh wait. It came out that weekend. Okay. Okay. That makes May sense. 7th, oh, 1999. So, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. No, I would never worry. Um, but also the fact that this movie runs the gamut from every type of, um, man you could be attracted to. It's got, Everything for everyone. And, and John Hanna represents John Hanna, I think, is sort of um 1999's Drew Tarver. You oh, know? wow. Yeah. Like it's it's all it's it's um a little self-deprecating, a little funny, you know, like it's, it's just yep. great. Um, but yeah, this movie, I mean, but like the male cast of this movie is 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 formed almost almost explicitly it's like a tiger beat magazine it truly is and this was um, i also like horny virgins <laughs> like, oh yeah like i what i love i happen to love the mummy i happen to love pirates of the caribbean i happen to love lord <laughs> of the rings and what it is is these <laughs> casts of like 40 men and they all kind of look different yes and you can just like ping pong like what's it called pinball machine your way around having crushes on different people in the cast based on yeah. what you are like in your life at that point. Oh yeah. So you can start with a Rick O'Connell, you go to an Ardeth baby, you become yeah. a little bit more interesting. Then there's always Mr. Henderson. Did you just, uh, did you say Ardeth baby? Ardeth Bay. Because that Ardeth, an Ardeth, Ardeth baby, baby is like a fan of an Ardeth Bay. Oh, like. oh yes. I'm an Ardeth baby. Yeah. I, yeah. It's also like a baby Yoda version of Ardeth Oh Bay. my God. Anna? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, listen. Don't make the fan art. I need <laughs> everybody's cooperation. <laughs> do not do this. Please, God. Don't do it. Wait, uh, Andrew, tell me the fact you learn about the, <laughs> the actor who plays Mr. Burns. Okay. Wait, tell me the, te the text message you sent me. Okay. With I, no warning when I was at work. I'm so sorry to have done this. <laughs> you made me almost choke and gag from shock. So... Everybody. And joy. Everybody, I just need, <laughs> I need you to understand. I know, I, I know probably once a week, we, I, we've talked about this before, we get a review being like, Andrew's gay, I want him dead. You know, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, but everybody, it is pride. I am not apologizing for it this month. I will apologize for it. Ian McKellen said, come out now. <laughs> so... In addition to these several uh, uh, hunky leading men in this movie, there are also a trio of supporting American characters, mm -hmm. one of whom's name is Mr. Burns. He has glasses. He is hot in a way that as an 11-year-old watching this, I was like, huh, I really <laughs> feel for this character. And when he's going through hard times, I feel in particular bad. Um just out of curiosity, I, I Wikipedia'd who this actor is. I recognized him from Parks and Recreation. He's very funny in that. Um, but the actor's name is Tuck Watkins. Mm -hmm. Everybody, I the text message that I sent to Anna on Thursday <laughs> at 1028 a.m. was, oh, my God, Tuck Watkins is gay and is in a relationship <laughs> with Andrew Reynolds. And everybody, I want you to know all those facts are true. 
This actor's name is Tuck Watkins. He is I'm gay. So my body is so warm right now. <laughs> yes. I'm so happy to hear. That. It was like hearing that your friend got engaged. It was excellent news. He is a he is a father of two kids. He came out I, in like 2012, um, which is the year gay was invented. It was the year gay was invented. Before that, everyone was just an interior designer. Yep. And after that, everyone was gay. Everyone was just playing gay. Um, this was followed by Anna writing four times, Andrew, 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 Andrew. I saw this and screamed quietly and gagged from excitement, from excitement and then forgot Andrew. And then I said, and this, again, this is a dream that we'll have to fulfill some other time. I said, could we get Tuck Watkins by our recording date? Um, um, and then I said, you're being very kind, but I said, let me ask Meredith or something. Cause <laughs> Andrew Reynolds was in a show that I worked on and absolutely right. wouldn't be able to pick me out of a, a body bag. But, uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, I could make it happen. And then just was like, no, he's probably busy, but it was so funny. So it's so funny watching, um, watching this movie now with Chris sitting next to me where I'm like, Oh, Okay. Chris also has glasses. Uh huh. Um, Chris has never had his eyeballs sucked out by a zombie mummy before. Yet. 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 That's true, Jason. But again, I felt but very deeply for Honestly, him. something I wouldn't put past Chris to have happened to him. W- that's true. That's very true. Um, but in any event, yeah. Th- so, so everybody hot. Everybody in this movie hot. The other two Americans also very hot. Yes. As Anna said. That they're kind of um their own boy band of like you can move from one to the other depending on your mood or depending on what your background is or what you're looking for. Yes. Um, so I mean, let's I, I like I I don't want to get stuck in um synopsizing everything because I know that's a bummer for everybody. Anna, who is the monster in this movie? The monster is Imhotep. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a priest condemned to death. His problem is he wants his girl back and also to take over the world. And that would be bad for the world. <laughs> um, so that's sort of the deal. He's got, he's got crazy powers. He like, this is the, this was the big kind of jump from the 1932 mummy, which is he is just a mummy who is able to come back to life um, and can perform some magic. He can squeeze people's hearts remotely. Um, uh, he can like light things on fire remotely. Um, but Imhotep, carries with him the powers of the 10 plagues, which is a huge get. That's a lot. Also, it this movie has um fireballs in with the yeah. hill, which is a misreading of the original text, but it looks great. Yeah, it really that and that one kind of got me in trouble in uh Sunday school in terms of drawing the 10 plagues of Egypt. Oh. And then I mean I was pro- I was also it wasn't quite Sunday school but CCD. Yeah, CCD. That sounds there? like busy work though. I wouldn't feel too bad about. Oh yeah, that was definitely like let's wait while a, a CCD teacher talks sternly to a kid who just said balls. You know like that was like <laughs> the activity that would be done. Um so he's so, got all these he's got all these powers. He can spit bugs. He, he can, can turn spit into bugs. Sand. Yeah, and he is regenerating himself by killing off all the Americans and sucking them dry. That's how. Wow. As Mr. Daniels says it. That's Mr. Right. Daniels who's named after Sean Daniels, one of the producers of the film. Really? Yes. Oh, that's nice. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Um we also get introduced to to a a World War 1 British bomber pilot. Yes. Is that, they weren't bombers. They, they were just airplanes with guns. 
I guess so. Right. Yeah, they didn't have room for bombs in there yet. It's a. This is one of the great set pieces of the movie. There's a yeah. a little biplane. Is it a called biplane? Chris knows plane. Chris, what, what kind of it? plane was it? It's a biplane. Bi- wow, Anna. I my body is so warm right now. The good news of Tuck Watkins being in a relationship <laughs> with Andrew Reynolds and me guessing the right kind of plane. Yes. What is it? My birthday. I I just uh, Tuck Tuck and Andrew. Listen, we just wish the best for you. Let us um, be your friend, please. They they met everybody on on while doing the move while doing the play, the boys Boys in the the band, band. which is the mummy of plays. Which is the mummy of plays. (laughs) You have to admit, (laughs) I would love to see boys in the band, but Imhotep is just there. They're like, well, I don't know about you, but I'm a queen. And then Imhotep's like. And they're like, girl. <laughs> the curtain goes down. <laughs> the audience throws rocks. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I, I guess. You know, so, yeah. So Imhotep is the monster. However, there are several other mummies that he summons to life. Yeah. These are all like his friends. These are priests yeah. who work for him who are very loyal. Um, and yeah, in terms of like. What what's the gear that we're using? We're using a lot of other mummies. Yes. We're using sacred texts. Mm-hmm. We're using a lot of torches. Uh, so many torches. A lot of torches. We've got a lot of guns, swords, um, some curved swords, some curved yes. knives. We've got a gallows at one point. Oh. Brendan Fraser is hanged briefly. And then really when they were shooting this, he was so convincing that people didn't realize that he actually was choking Choking? to death and he had to be revived by EMTs and he and Steven Summers are not on the same page about whose fault it was. Wow. And Brendan Fraser maintains it was not his fault. That is, oh gosh, I'm so glad he's okay. Another thing, uh, yeah, these actors, it's like they're shooting it in Morocco uh, because it was too dangerous to shoot in Egypt at the time because of the political instability. But also like they were shooting this in the damn desert six weeks. So they're like pushing long days (gasps) with like a large principal cast. Oh, insane. They're shooting day for night. They're just like under the blinding sun. And another thing is that they took out kidnapping insurance on all of the leads without telling them. Oh, and God. the kidnapping insurance on Kevin J. O'Connor was only $50,000. Oh my God. Not that mine, mine would be like a, a bag of pop rocks. They would, would be the, my, <laughs> like. they would pay to have me kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> like she negotiated executive story editor instead of just story editor. Get the hell rid of her. Get sucks the hell ass. rid yeah um we've got shovels we've got brushes we've got mummification tools and uh two big ones we've got the black book of the dead the gold book of the living Mm -hmm. two very large codexes which were not things that or the large books that egyptians didn't really use right and the key box this would also sort of be the toy i think was their hope that is that like hexa or octagonal twisty thing that they'd use to open both tombs and books anything that needs a key we got it yeah. i want one of these badly i don't have one <laughs> just saying a my birthday glance jason your birthday is coming up <laughs> you could have the gift of a happy girlfriend backwards birthday um oh also i mean this one i remember as a kid after seeing it in theaters i would avert my eyes from the screen pressurized salt acid yes which melts people in the movie which i don't know if this is a thing that happens i don't know that it is either this movie uses a lot of pressurized things both in front of and behind the camera you've got pressurized salt acid that blasts the face off of faceless workers yes and then you've got um the 
the shot of the scarabs coming through the floor, they used pressurized oh, yeah. air to make is that, that effect. That There's so many practical effects in this movie. It's very That's exciting. Amazing. And also the moment of the sand pouring through the keyhole in yeah. Evelyn's bedroom, they had to use pressurized sand to get like the fullness because oh. it wasn't looking right. I just know a lot about this movie. I'm, Anna, I can't, this is like, um, this is like when I, I, when I love listening to people talk about like what they're experts on, whether it's like, I don't know, <laughs> birds or, and Anna is the <laughs> mummy scholar. Like I'm I don't, sure there are people who are, have more knowledge than I do, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think, I think it's that you, it's the, it's the breadth of, you have the superpower of like, the breadth of all the different sources that you've sought out to learn about it, but also you have a very good brain to organize oh, them in a way you. that is funny and, and, um, and listenable to something that's happened to me is I can no longer like, um, make memories with my brain, but I definitely <laughs> remember a lot about the mummy. Um, yeah, yeah. I would have to say of all four head writers of SNL, I definitely know the most about the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to believe that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else do we have? Who's hot everyone? Okay. How much money did she cost? $80 million. Wow. How much money did she make? $416.4 million. Did I say that right? Yeah. $416.4 million. Okay. That, my brain is broken. That is uh, for 1999 too. That is a wild. That's crazy. This is crazy. It was also in theaters for a very long time. Yes. I do remember that. This was like a summer long. I remember yeah. this was the year when Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me and the mummy were in theaters all wow. year long. And I wow, saw wow, wow, each wow. probably three times. You gotta, yeah. you gotta do this. I definitely saw it on opening day with my mom and family. That's really sweet. Mom and family. That's really sweet. Uh, I'm married to my mom. <laughs> um, there's a lot of amazing lines in it. Let's talk about the lines. Um, they're all good. It's very, it's very Stephen Summers. This is the hangman. Any last requests, pig? Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Loosen the knot and let me go. Funny, classic, Funny. simple. It's like we're aware of the genre, but we're yes. having fun. Think of my children. You don't have any children. Someday I might. This is Kevin J. O'Connor delivery. And after finding out that he improvised the, um, I hate you. You don't even know me line from deep rising. I watching it this time. I was like, I wonder if he improvised that. Guess what? He did. Wow. He's good. He's so good. And I also like, you can kind of see that that wrinkle doesn't hold up the whole time. Like that funniness, because then Benny kind of reverts to being like, pure coward. Right, right, right. Pure heel. Um, which I guess is that it doesn't not make sense. Yeah. Yeah. He gets more villainous as the movie goes on. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Which it just shows you if you live in fear, you're not helping other people. Wow. That's fine. And thank you. Um, can you swim? Of course I can swim if the occasion calls for it. Trust me. It calls for it. Uh, I just love, I love, I really do enjoy the John Hanna, Brendan Fraser dynamic in this movie. Oh, this, I'm sorry to say, this was between him and uh, Evelyn. Oh, yeah. Okay. I had a hard time realizing because there is a quasi-romance. Or there's, there's, Jonathan is quoted, is, Jonathan is coded queer. He uh, is coded say. queer. Yes. Yeah. Your funny brother who's like, you know, drinks a little bit and like is conspicuously not married. and. Yeah. Um, and is like playing with dead bodies. And, and <laughs> he, he says about Brendan Fraser- like to Evelyn, 
like, oh, yeah, there's no reason at all that we should bring him along, right? After he looks incredibly sexy. Yeah, like a brother saying to a, his sister, that guy is hot, is yeah. coded queer. Um, also, like, knowing about stuff, but not, like, going to grad school. Yes. That is a queer narrative. Right. Also, uh, plucking jewels off a wall. I- I'm sorry. Yeah, the, That's the verb to pluck, queer. Yes. Um, drinking somebody else's scotch out of their messenger bag, yes. even though the bottle's broken. Very That's good. That's queer. Let's get into it. Let's go to what's gay. Yeah. Anaxuna Moon's entire narrative. That's gay. The line, my body is no longer his temple. That's gay. gay. We already 25 men worshiping one woman. That's gay. gay. As soon as she comes back to life, they're like, nah, that's gay. <laughs> Being interrupted by straight men while trying to revive an iconic dead princess. That's gay. <laughs> Being mad at your friend. That was in reference to um, Imhotep getting mummified alive. That's gay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A disaster spa treatment, which is in reference to Imhotep having scarabs poured on him. That's gay. Um, Leaving threatening messages in the sand. Gay. That Okay. That made me think that is Imhotep as a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race. That is the equivalent of writing lipstick on the wall. Like wow. his, his message, if he got eliminated, probably in Snatch Game, he'd do like a really bad like Zsa, Zsa Gabor. <laughs> and he'd get eliminated and then he'd write on the mirror in lipstick, death is only the beginning. He would. Wouldn't that be a great message? Definitely. Yeah. Oh my God. That would definitely be the contestant who's, I don't know anything about drag race, but like in reality TV, the one who's not voted off the first week. Oh yeah. Where it's like, you don't have enough of a following to (laughs) take this big of a swing. And they always go the hardest. Um, Yeah. We talked about in the library scene when Evelyn knocks over all the bookcases uh, and her boss is super mad at her and is yelling, yelling at a gorgeous woman in a quiet place. That's gay. Um, heels on a ladder, gay. <laughs> Talking to yourself in a library is gay. Um, Jonathan's whole deal, gay. Yep. A male makeover, gay. That is. And I have to say, the the closest shave in human society is the shave that Brendan gets when he comes back out after he's out of his prison look. How does he do it? I think they shaved him like during last looks and then called action and he stepped onto the I, screen. That, that is because like, I'm a man who has like nine 45 AM shadow. So like <laughs> whenever I see a close shave, I am astounded not to be as Hollywood magic. I also think that there, he got a facial, like there had to have been a, a steamer involved. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, God, this is such a long list. No, no. We'll bounce around. Uh, your brother pointing out a hot guy that's gay. A full moon is gay. Crashing a cruise by moonlight, gay. Okay. Yeah. Surprising someone with a bag when Rick throws his duffel <laughs> yes. down and she and Evelyn goes, ooh. If you startle someone with the weight of your bag on a table, you've been to the Eagle. I'm sorry. <laughs> Recognizing one strong man from a mile away from three years ago. That's gay. Yes. That's Ardeth Bay noticing Rick O'Connell in the desert. <laughs> Holding an umbrella on a horse is gay. <laughs> Having a fight with riding crops, gay. Winning a camel race, gay. Riding a camel hard with no brawn. That's queer. <laughs> That's queer. Gently squeezing a man's arm while saying there are other places to dig. Gay. Yep. Umbrellas at night is gay. Entertaining your drunk friend who's a librarian is gay. <laughs> Not wanting to wake up your mean friend. That's gay. That's what the, in regards to... Ma- making the mummy wake up. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to wake up your mean friend. <laughs> it's going to be a whole thing. No, no. We're going to let Imhotep sleep. Let him... He's been drinking since 7 a.m., he is mean as a snake when yeah. he doesn't eat carbs and he's not <laughs> doing that this week. 
uh, bragging about some vases you found. That's gay. That's the Americans. They yes. found their canopic jars. And they, you've never seen three American men more happy when they found those gold jars. They thought they were going to be rich. Yeah, Turns out you did. They got desiccated. You did. Sorry, bud. Um, screaming because you see someone old. That's gay. Yes. <laughs> every the, time the mummy is seen, someone's Everybody scream. scream. Yeah. And I have to say, uh, Rachel Weisz, I think part of the reason she is a prestige actress is because she doesn't have a good horror movie scream. That's true. What, what, what is it about the, the scream is kind of, um, ah, like it's an, ah, ah, it's not a, ah. right, right. Not she that. has a, like a good scream, but not like of a, like a heroine of a it's, horror movie screen. You know what that scream was? It's a it's a, a mom seat like walking into the kitchen and seeing a baby just dumping a whole thing of pink lemonade on the ground. <laughs> That's the scream. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Oh, going back to the mom sexuality thing, you're totally yeah. right. It's like who does a hardworking woman want to see at the end of the day? A uh, a criminal in a clean white suit yes. with suspenders yeah. or white shirt, suspenders, riding pants, and boots. It's a who's who of romance novel covers. You've got Arnold Vosloo yes. in a literal loincloth, ha- hairless, bald. Absolutely. That's waxed. for someone. Yes. You've got Oded Fair face tattoos, long, gorgeous. The the body of his hair is is criminal, Frank. It, it's really Envious and in a long, gorgeous black dress. Yes. Which like works. You've got three American cowboys. One's got glasses. One's got long blonde hair. One is, is like balding and smart. It, like that's all very much a vibe. It's all there. Um, you've got Rachel Vice. You know what? Maybe you're looking at the other figure in the romance novel, you know? Yeah. Um, and she pulls off several looks. I mean, you've got her in librarian gear. You've got her in kind of um, uh, um, not not the best, you know, cultural appropriation sort so, of veil sort of a shoot. black gown. Yeah, yeah, let's with call, titties. Let's call it a black gown with titties. <laughs> um, She's got, got her white nightgown look, where which did have titties after she was in the water, and they had to That's VFX them. <gasps> yeah. Are you serious, yes. Anna? See, this is what I'm talking about. You know it all. Um, <laughs> just read the IMDb trivia section. You'll learn absolutely unfact check facts. You've got her shackled up, but then you've got her with a knife, with a gun. She's shooting people like she's pulling off every possible, uh, damsel situation, not just in distress, very often in control. Yes. Yes. She's. And like when she gets kidnapped by Imhotep at one point, yes. she goes willingly. It's part of a ploy. She's like, I'll go with him if you can get me back. Right, right. It's cool. It's very good. Um, I guess, okay, here's a question just in general about about kind of Stephen Summers' vision for this. Do you think this was always intended to be PG-13? I know that it was because that is part of why they VFXed out her nipples. Oh, yeah. that Well, that makes um, sense. feels rude to talk about someone's body, but that is, it's VFX. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure that they would have loved it to be PG, but it's still made freaking money. Yeah. And like, I think it's the kind of thing that you can take kids to like the tone of it isn't not okay for kids. Right. Like you can just cover their eyes during the gory parts, which I still look away during certain parts. Like, Oh my gosh. 
the warden being eaten yes. and uh even like when Jonathan makes the skeleton sit up oh i i would always look away during that i really there so that's a jump scare which is very scary but also that body shouldn't be in a museum that body still has eyeballs something needs to be done um i also i think the the like pg13 of it is um i think it's helpful because as the problem was with deep rising, as we said, it got a little mean, like some of yes. the tortury stuff was like uh, so much that I was like, Oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling too much for how painful this all would be. And I do feel that way about Mr. Burns when he gets his eyeballs and his tongue taken out. Yeah. It's mean, but the kind of, uh, this is the first time I realized that the, um, the look of Imhotep when he is full mummy is kind of cartoonish. Like everything oh, is a little exaggerated. The eyes, the way the jaw moves, it's all, um, it, it's, it's all a little too much, but I really appreciate that. And I think as a kid that kind of gave me permission to be the right amount of scared. Yes. Yeah. Like being able to see in through his body was very scary. Yes. Um, they also really stay away from like the bandages trope. Yes, they that do. was like part of his pitch that they liked a lot. Is he was like, I don't want guys shuffling around in bandages, Great. which you do get the priests and stuff. Like yes. you get, you get if you came for bandages, you'll don't get worry, it. Everybody, you'll yeah. find it. Um, but <sighs> what else is gay? Being dramatic about your cat allergy, gay. Reading a book while walking is gay. <laughs> Saying yes to a prince, gay. <laughs> Still having company over even when you're severely injured is gay. That's Mr. Burns having um, oh Imhotep over. He, the man has just had his eyeballs sucked out and his tongue taken out. He is sitting drinking tea with a prince. When you've just had surgery and that same day you invite people over, yes. that is gay. No, I'm fine. I'm totally it's fine. totally fine. Yeah. Um, let me see. Threatening an enemy with a fan. Very gay. He held Benny up to the blades. Yep. Um, risking your life for someone you met three days ago. Yes, that there is something that feels <laughs> very right. I, I, the, I think, I think, forsaking a, a decade-old friendship and then being like, "No, we." I met Evelyn three days ago. I would lay down my life for her. Absolutely, yeah. traveling by tornado, gay. <laughs> Lighting a match on somebody's stubble is gay. And lastly, ending the day with gorgeous hair. Yes, oh, did fair. I mean. By the end of that movie, his hair is a work of art. What is going on? It's hard to know if I want to like write a part for someone in this film or if I just want them to hit me with a semi truck. Yeah. Like I genuinely can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Comic icon hit oh. dead by Odin Fair. <laughs> Crowd cheers. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, NASCAR event <laughs> discontinued hits her 400 times no one helps do women talk to each other not really but it's okay they fight with knives at the end yes um, Rachel Weiss does scream as the mummy of an oxygen moon screams she talks to her brother Jonathan while being chased by a mummy which yeah. is not the same thing <laughs> that is the other gay thing we talked about is <laughs> The only two women at a gay function being the most gorgeous woman you've ever seen and a living dead corpse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I didn't get that one. Yes, that's gay. Um, what are our other little things? Oh. Uh, Anna, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. The, just 
to round out the content of it, uh, the other uh, Stephen Summers-ish themes. We've got Jerry Goldsmith as a composer. Great. This he does a he does a fantastic it is job. Gorgeous. I owned the CD. I still own the CD. It's good. I can't. Some people like to listen to um, soundtracks while they work. I and I tried to listen to this while working, and then I realized that I was just sitting listening to it happily. <laughs> oh, like I couldn't not pay That's attention so to sweet. it. It Just made me happy. Um, Kevin J. O'Connor, very Stephen Summers. Classic. Lots of plot shoved in. Quick. This is the most restrained we'll see of him for the rest of his career. That's really true. Um, sardonic and almost satirical treatment of the genre. And then the lines, did you see that? And time to go. Yep. Very Stephen Summers. Yeah. And that is, yeah, we, as we discussed last week, Summers needed his Brendan Fraser and he found him. And yes. it's, it really yes. is such, a, this is such a great marriage. Um, Summers really is at his best. It is the perfect popcorn movie. Even in our next segment, what did Robert Eber say? Three Ro- stars. Three Robert Eber. Robert Eber. Hi, I'm Robert Eber. I'm not the other person, and I don't like movies. Robert Eber. Um, Robert, what did Robert Eber say? No, oh my God. <laughs> Whoa. This is going bad. Okay, what did Robert Ebert? Roger. Well, everybody. <laughs> Andrew? I mean, I think it's time for you to put me on a raft and send me out to sea. Goodbye. Goodbye. What um, did Roger what did Ebert? Roger Ebert say yes crowd cheers <laughs> he said there is within me an unslaked hunger for preposterous adventure movies i resist the bad ones but when a congo or an anaconda comes along my heart <gasps> leaps up and i cave in wow. the mummy is a movie like that there is hardly a thing i can say in its favor except that i was cheered by nearly every minute of it I cannot argue for the script, the direction, the acting, or even the mummy, but I can say that I was not bored and sometimes I was unreasonably pleased. There is a little immaturity stuck away in the crannies of even the most judicious of us and we should treasure it. And then he says a lot of stuff. And then at the end he says, look, art this isn't. Great trash, it isn't. Good trash, it is. I'd say it's I'd say it's great trash. I... I wouldn't even say it's trash, it's, actually. It's he, he, Roger Ebert is so funny. Like, he gets cranky when something is fun. Yeah. Like, he, okay, we've talked about this. His least favorite part of Home Alone was the, the all of the booby traps yes. and the, it was like, oh my what God. What's going on, Roger? It's really wild. But yeah, so like, he he's very literal person. He doesn't love genre. He doesn't love haunted things, but like, it is. It means a lot that it, three stars is a lot. That most is. most I remember Newsday gave it two and a half stars. I think like these types of movies tend to get two and a half stars yeah. because it's like, yeah, it was perfect, but it was goofy. So right. no, um, which is not, you know, that's fine. It. I, I think what is and and I I think very often people in Stephen Summers position position get shortchanged. Um, in, in these sort of movies where it's like, listen, the writing's not great. The direction's not great, but I really enjoyed it. Well, then that means yes. that the writing and the directing are doing their jobs. Oh, yeah. And and that uh, Stephen Summers knows full well what this movie is. He plays it to the perfect tune every single time. He go, Like, I don't know that there's a – I don't know that – stylistically there's anything I would change. We've talked about the content things we would change, yes. but like stylistically he gets it and he loves movies. He loves watching movies. And this is a movie that is very fun to watch. I also like in the other interpretation of the word style, I think it's kind of unimpeachable, like the neutral colors, like the color palette of it, oh, the yeah. like sand 
black and beige and gold and like it is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's very stylish. Um and I also like can't imagine writing and directing a movie. I don't understand no. how you do both. That seems so hard. And that, that it is it like this is such a clear labor of love. Like he yes. loves action adventure, he loves classic horror. Um and yet there is just enough edge to it that uh, makes it feel new, makes it feel 1999 new. Yes. You know? Yes. And I'm thrilled that Twitter is discovering it. Super Yaki had a whole, there's a, a merch shop you can find on the internet. Yeah. Super Yaki, they had a whole Brendan Fraser line and a lot of mummy stuff. Love that. I am, they, I am a proud owner of their bumper sticker that says, honk, if you'd rather be watching the cinematic masterpiece, the mummy starring <laughs> Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss. Promo code disaster diva. Promo Woo. code disaster diva from my boyfriend's podcast network, haunted sentence. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm delighted to ask this question, Anna, as we move into our next segment, if we could. Yes. Um, what is the ride? Because, gentle listeners, there is a ride. There is a ride. And, Andrew, you've been on it. I have not yet uh, been on it. Anna, I am evangelical about it. Um, I'm so excited for you to ride it. I hope at some point we can ride it together, both the Hollywood version and the uh, Orlando version, because both have their merits and they are quite different. Story wise. Yes, I've heard that. Um, yeah, the, the Orlando one is much more meta. The Orlando one, the, the ride takes place on the set of a new mummy movie. That's right. So it's not you are in like, but the set itself is cursed, which yes. is great. A great idea. Perfect. Um, the Hollywood one, you are in the context of the film. So th- that one's a little more straightforward. Honestly, I like but that. But you're still going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it is the perfect theme park ride. It is just enough roller coaster to get your thrills. Um, but it is curated excellently. Even the line is very fun. You've got all the animatronics you've got in Hollywood, at least one of the most sophisticated animatronics, which is Imhotep in the beginning. He has something like 80 points of articulation. Wow. It's pretty astounding. Um, and this movie was made to be a ride. It's a perfect ride. It's a perfect ride. There's yeah, there's camel races, there's yeah. bad guys, there's a lot of like long, dark, spooky hallways. Oh my god. Which is another Indiana Jones, like several sequences that were yeah. direct homages to. I mean, in the directions you could go in, you've got yeah, you've got camel races, you've got plane rides, you've got um car chases. Like there's so many directions. I really think the mummy nails it. Um let us know your thoughts on the mummy ride if you have them, or if you've got a better pitch for a mummy ride in the event that Universal wants to switch it up a bit. Yeah, I hope they don't before I get there. I know. Yeah, That's you so really long. need to experience the full thing. I gotta go. Yeah. Um, God, I feel like we've. I, this is a good beginner spot. Yes. Beginner spot for the mummy. <laughs> I hope. I mean, here's the fantasy that one day Anne and I can interview all the favorites, Tuck Watkins. <laughs> Kevin J. O'Connor, uh, Patricia Velasquez, who plays in Oxygen Moon, like really hit up the the supporting characters who Anne and I also always have a heart for. Also, again, Stephen Summers, Brendan, Rachel, Arnold, <laughs> Oded. Stop, I'm getting shy. <laughs> if y'all are out there and want to chat. We'd, we'd you love know where we are. They don't. You, They're yeah, not listening. No it's yeah. fine. I live in a small apartment. It's very hard to find. It's in New Hampshire. Um, <laughs> no, I I mean, really, the, the concept 
I like I would do anything to ask Rachel Weiss like three questions about the mummy. Oh God, I'd be too shy. I ask a British person something personal. We'd both have to resort to like the eleven-year-old versions of ourselves, which is we'd whisper the questions to each of our moms, and then our moms <laughs> be like, "I." It, he wants to know, yeah, like, <laughs> was it hot? And they'd be like, oh, stupid question, oh, stupid God, question. No, I'm stupid. Um, Anna, I can't tell you what a joy it is to talk about this movie with you. I could do it again and again, and quite possibly we will. Big time joy. Thank you, Andrew. Thank joy. you, listeners, for going on this ride with us. Yes. And next week, I guess we'll be visiting yeah. the movie The, the Mummy, Mummy Returns. Return. Spoiler alert, he returns. He's back. The day after The Mummy came out, the studio called Stephen Summers and said, we need another one. And boy, did he deliver. And that is what the podcast listeners will be doing to us. Uh, I can't wait. Um, again, if you if you worked in any capacity on this movie, let us know. Choke us out. Choke us the hell out with a scarab beetle. Send us to sleep. <laughs> yeah. um, if you have any like fun facts about the experience of working on the movie, if your mom, dad, cousin, aunt, accomplice, I, well, accomplice. Accomplice. Oh, God. Someone who hid evidence for you. Yeah, don't be our one call from prison. Oh, my God. Um, Anna, I, I guess the only way I can think to end this is by saying death is only the beginning. It is only the beginning. It's also the end in a lot of ways. And you know what marks the end? Get, Get out. out. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Chris Ryan. Cover art by Bats Langley. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at foreverdogteam to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news.